This episode of Weed and Grub is brought to you by Shuggies. Yeah, Shuggies is on a mission to sweeten people's lives and create little moments of happiness and joy every day. Shuggies is infused cane sugar and infused agave nectar. You can use Shuggies wherever you want. Make something a little bit sweeter, you know? Stir it into your coffee in the morning, drizzle some agave nectar over fresh raspberries. Ooh, I would put some in my hot chocolate. Or you could bake with it, add it to an apple crisp for that extra special <laughs> yeah, add a little kiss to any dish with Shuggies. Check them out at Shuggies.com. That's S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S.com. Or find them on Instagram at that Shuggies feeling. Ooh, I want that feeling all the time. Elevate your everyday with Shuggies. Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? I'm good. Yeah? It's dark. I We always try... I'm sorry. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> it is dark. I feel weird because, yeah, we do always try. We try. We try. Like, we are always the folks who are like, okay, noon, yep. we're going to send emails. One, we're yep. going to have lunch until 1.15. Starting at 1.30, we're going to start editing up by two. Uh-huh. Then what happens? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> we just run on a different time. You know, I am never really fully awake until mid-afternoon. Right? Life doesn't start till the sun goes down. Yeah. I'm like a nocturnal creature. So. Have you ever been to a day rave? I Yes, I went to a weed rave that was a day rave. How was it? It was awesome. Was it inside? <laughs> yeah. No. What? No, it was outside. Okay. Really? <laughs> it was a daytime party? Sorry, I'm boofing <laughs> weed right now. What? <laughs> and I'm feeling I have... Okay. What is that, like slang for like you did a dab before I got here? No, I have a, a, a cannabis suppository in my body. <laughs> really? Yeah. You were holding that until we got on pod? Yeah. Oh, you're the best co-host I could ask for. I love how long we've been hanging out, and you just have been holding on to this secret little vault of... Yep. Wow. 60 milligrams. Sorry to call your vagina a vault. Oh, that's okay. It kind of is. Yeah? It's got treasures. <laughs> it's hard to get into. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm just rambling. Can I know you you're please say you're more? you pushing up your sleeves. Okay, well, first, the day rave, the weed rave, was in a park. Nice. Um, and as far as the suppository goes, I'm writing about Foria and a bunch of other uh, products that are specifically designed for like women to cope with uh, pelvic and period pain. Women who are menstruating during their periods, you can put this up there and um, it offers relief and I'm feeling fine. Are you really? Yeah, even though it's the first day of my cycle, which is traditionally like the day where I'm not feeling cool, I feel fine. That's the day that you get the most cramps yeah. and feel like, I guess... Back pain, joint pain. Just want to be in a ball in bed. General, yeah, want to just lie on the floor or, you know, next to the... Um, cool tile of the bathroom but I feel fine really yeah I have personal questions mm -hmm. and you can tell me when to stop okay is that okay sure I don't know how much people are gonna want to hear about it, everything well I don't want to ask you about like your flow I don't yeah. like no yeah no. exactly Even <laughs> oh, that welcome alone. to Weed and Grub everybody <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> that's it now we're going <laughs> welcome to Weed and Grub <laughs> this is a podcast about uh, cannabis comedy culture cooking and calling shit out and suppositories and, sub and weed suppositories yeah boofing boofing I mean boofing I think is technically up the butt and this is not up my butt. Would I it work it in the butt? In my vagina. Probably. I mean, they actually do have one for um, the butt. It's called Explore. And that's specifically designed for um, to relax you for anal play. Oh, like a popper. Mm, I guess. <laughs> but this is designed for relief from pelvic pain, specifically when you're on your period. Uh, so I guess I'm voof voofing. Yeah. Point it here first. Uh -huh. There you go. Somebody else came up with, what is it? California sober? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, and... the person who throws the weed rave, Michelle Luke. No shit. Yep. California sober, yeah, Michelle Yeah, she coined Luke. that in an essay that she wrote, I think for Vice, where it's just um, weed and psychedelics, no booze or hard drugs. I love that. Yeah. And for you, Mary Jane Gibson, coining voofing. Voofing with euphoria relief. And I'm trying a bunch of other products, Quim. From our friend Kayo, who yeah. was on the pod a while back, um, has some products that I'm going to give a shot. And uh, there's another one. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm reviewing a bunch of different CBD lubes and cannabis suppositories. I and know we should probably move on from, like, 
menstruation in a second because <laughs> sure. I know how much time do we want to spend on well, this? It's not for everyone to hear about, you yeah. know, but it is interesting that this is specifically designed for, um, you know, to help women with their uh, cycle and pain. And I think it's fucking fantastic. Cannabis, you know, just historically as a plant is like one of the most healing plants and you know it doesn't get talked a lot about but no you know, it's one of the biggest uses is for relief from pain no kidding it's associated with like childbirth and menstruation and all that stuff that dudes don't want to hear about if dudes dealt with the shit that women go through like not only just like the you know childbirth and menstruation and all that kind of stuff but all the other things associated with being a woman like fucking hair removal and high heels and all that shit and we get called the fairer weaker sex like go fuck yourselves we're strong as hell Truth. I think. Straight up truth. You know. This says there's 63 milligrams of THC and 11 milligrams of CBD. It's no joke. This is a a dose. Yeah. Are you Are you really high right now? No, it's not psychoactive. I mean, I feel chill, but I'm not stoned. Why aren't you stoned? Because you're a low doser who usually loves two to five milligrams to go to the aquarium and, you know, communicate with sea life. Because of how it is metabolized in the body, because it's a suppository. So I put it into my vagina Uh and it's cocoa butter and cannabis. And that cannabis is topically applied. It's like putting, um, you know, cannabis lotion on your skin. Instead of putting it on my skin, it's just inside my body, but it's being absorbed into my vaginal wall and helping with the pain. But it's not actually being absorbed into my bloodstream to be psychoactive is my understanding fascinating fascinating maybe in five minutes i'll be luby as hell i don't know maybe but also thank you for figuring all of this out to write about it so more people can know it's cool right it is really cool yeah and i think you should be able to make them if you are in a state where you don't have access to um the this kind of a product you could probably just like insert some coat like a little bit it's in cocoa butter Okay. So it dissolves okay. in your body. So I imagine if you just infuse some cocoa butter that you could use that internally. So without any kind of medical recommendation and maybe do this, maybe not, but grab a magical butter machine or <laughs> infuse some cocoa butter yeah. for your menstrual I mean, cycle. You could definitely use a magical butter machine to make topicals. Well, we did it. We, we did it. Coconut um, oil that we used. Yeah. Yeah. Also great sex lube. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> speechless. Really speechless. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I don't want to get into more. politics necessarily we don't need to get into politics but this might be a good way to switch to a news segment oh let's get into the news grubble gazette yeah absolutely which is presented this week by marijuana moment perfect and it's actually a psychedelic story so this story is about how nearly 100 cities in the united states are considering decriminalizing psychedelics so denver decriminalized um psilocybin last year i believe um, oh, no, it was this year, six months ago. Then there was a unanimous city council vote in Oakland to remove criminal penalties for psychedelic substances like ayahuasca and mas- masculine. So now over 100 cities across the states are following suit. Because you used to grow shrooms yeah. from a kit uh-huh. sold in High Times magazine. Yeah, the Easy Homestead Book Company. Man, I miss those guys. They were one of High Times' longest advertisers. And you could buy a kit from the Easy Homestead Book Company that would ship to your house. And it was with spores, which are legal to ship. And you could plant them and grow your own shrooms. It was fucking awesome. That's incredible. No to always longer. have shrooms, like a little microdose, yeah. Tuesday, Friday, and yeah. Sunday. I always had a freezer full of chocolate mushrooms. Have you ever had gelato on mushrooms? No. Holy shit, Mary Jane. Wow. Mango gelato. Okay. Is probably one of my favorite bites of food I've ever had. And I was tripping so hard in my apartment in college with my six roommates uh-huh oh, wow. i still mango gelato on mushrooms man that sounds amazing so good Oof, what's oh, your best bite like a really 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 cold glass of water maybe i don't know i can see that you know like you can really, feel it in your capillaries yeah anything that's a crazy temperature like a very very cold anything or you know talk about shrooms like they always keep me present yeah but but like a good hang with a shitload of wine and some great dabs yeah equally as present oh man it's so great and we forget it I mean, I do too. I think it's LA is just a huge part of it because you're trying to constantly make something of everything. Um, but yeah, also just like this world that we live in with, you know, being glued. Yeah. Wanting to put it on your Instagram story, wanting to record it and broadcast it to the world. It's a very strange time. I know people are bored when their whole 
uh, vacation is on their Instagram story. Yeah, when you see all the little tiny dashes. Miserable. Yeah. Like, oh, guys. Yeah. 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 There's this isn't even for you anymore. Yeah. Like that's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. If if I don't have a story, generally it's because I've had a good day. (laughs) Oh, funny. That's wild. That's so true, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, unless you're in like business mode, like our guest today, Trixie Mattel. Like, check out her Instagram and the cosmetics and the pictures she's posting are absolutely dynamite and it's because she has such cool things coming out between now the beginning of the year may with her book like i know we're going to get into all of it but i think like yeah there's a very big difference can i say the one thing that i am enjoying doing with you for the ig story is sunday supper yeah yeah totally that's been really nice the past couple of weeks we've started uh cooking on sunday evenings together and like just putting it on our ig story and it's really fucking fun i like it there's no stakes involved yeah just having a good hang just hanging and cooking yeah and i have a weird story about this sunday supper with jordan so my friend wanamaka who we've shouted out a couple of times on the pod who is a friend that i've never met it's so weird like we've known each other online for years but we've actually never met in person but she um dm'd to say like hey those jade dumplings that you made at sunday supper looked really good what's the recipe and so i shot her a a screenshot of the recipe from the book fishes and dishes which is my friend keo our friend keo's amazing cookbook that's from alaska's commercial fisherwomen and it's all women who work on boats just sharing amazing fucking recipes and jordan goes holy shit my boyfriend's dad has a copy of that book which is it's a very niche cookbook fishes and dishes is definitely niche yeah it's very specifically like alaska commercial fisherwomen it's you know and so i wrote to keo and was like um a friend dm'd to say what's up with that recipe and she has a coffee her boy yeah anyway what an amazing connection yeah and then keo was like well what is her boyfriend's dad a fisherman and anyway i got the full story from jordan and yeah it was just cool to be connected to two people in my life through a recipe that we shared online. That's a beautiful connection. Yeah, it was cool. Wow. Yeah, so shout out Keo and shout out Jordan. And those jade dumplings. Yeah. Delicious. De-fucking-licious. Just like minced salmon with some sesame oil and cilantro and scallions in a gyoza wrapper. Can't go wrong. Zero amount. And I love that you crisp both sides and then dump in a splash of water to let them steam the rest of the way through. Yep. Because I never read the directions on like the Trader Joe's wraps, those one. And so oh, I would just, gyoza. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would just crisp them on both sides mm-hmm. and they'd burn to shit because I didn't know you had to steam them afterwards to actually get them hot. Mm-hmm. What a disgusting bite of ice cold dumpling to Ooh. always have and be like, what am I doing wrong? Like hot and burned on the outside and then just fucking ice cold in the middle. Yeah. Ugh. Ooh, kind of like a... Anyway, I don't want to make a sex joke right now. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, I was going to make. I have a marijuana suppository <laughs> yeah. in my body over here. Yeah. <laughs> Unless your vagina feels chilly. And is that it? Not... I'm so sorry. No, my vagina does not feel chilly. It's quite warm. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It feels like um, it's wearing a, snug... a snuggie. What are those things called? Slanket? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like right now. <laughs> Not that you needed to know that, but now everybody knows it. Now everybody knows yeah, it. Yeah, my vagina feels like it has a slanket on. Oh, it's very comfortable. Yeah, you're so funny. You're so cool. <laughs> this is a good time to bring up Gold Leaf. If you're oh. looking for a Christmas present, <laughs> you could get someone a slanket or you could get them a Gold Leaf print or journal. There's something for everyone at shopgoldleaf.com. They've got um, the print that I just got, the Best of the West SoCal print. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. I feel like that print actually has like a California sober vibe to it. Totally. Because everybody is laying out under this beautiful orange sun on that print. And mm-hmm. it, it, yes, that's exactly the and vibe. And if you look closely, almost everyone is holding a joint. There it is. Very cool. At Goldleaf on Instagram, no O in Goldleaf. It's just Goldleaf. Goldleaf. And uh, shopgoldleaf.com. Yeah. Yeah. Are you high right now? Maybe I'm a little high. Yeah. Like, I just saw the shift because... Right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. I love it. So I guess it's mildly psychoactive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get out of here so that you can turn on Netflix and dive right into the rest of your night. Okay. Let's go to Buds of the Week. Let's do Buds of the Week. We've got some great buds. Yeah, we've got, um, well, will you read uh, the letter from? I'd absolutely love to. Let me pull it up right now. So thank you to everyone who is giving us five stars on iTunes. Thank you to everyone who has been leaving reviews on iTunes. One in particular just kind of tickled our fancy and made our cheeks feel warm and pink, as you would say. Mm -hmm. So I just want to thank 
at PNWDane on Instagram for writing a fantastic review. Do you mind if I read it? Is that self? I would love you to because it's okay. so nice. Cool. I want to. It just feels weird to like read about yourself. It feels like something Malcolm Gladwell would do. But we've done it before. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, PNW Dane wrote my favorite weed pod. Mary Jane and Mike make pot podcast magic. A little bit OG, a little bit cutting edge. Always hilarious, delicious, smart, and kind. Fire one up and treat your ear holes right. Listening is like hanging out with the coolest people you know. Give yourself a reason to look forward to Mondays and Wednesdays. Weed and grub is where it's at. Wow. Day fucking made. The nicest. Day made. Thank you yeah. for writing. And yeah, it really does make a difference if you leave a review and, and give us five stars. It like, you know, brings, I don't know what it does actually. I know what it does. Yeah. I mean, it allows us to go places like the Emerald Cup yeah. in a couple weeks and record live from there. It allows us to go to South by Southwest and do a live recording with Open Mike Eagle and the Gongist. Like those little things that everyone supports us while we do something that we love yeah. allows us to hopefully get the word out about being nice, having a good time and smoking little weed to a bigger audience. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. And we're going to see uh, some homies at the Emerald Cup. We're going to see Abdullah and Dave from Great Moments in Weed History. Oh, yeah. If you haven't checked out that podcast, highly recommend it. It's um, just amazing historical figures throughout history. And Dave breaks it down for Abdullah, who's never heard the story before. Very funny. Very cool. Um, yeah, check it out. Great moments in weed history. Who's yeah. your butt of the week? Oh, my butt of the week is at Mrs. underscore best with no E. M-R-S underscore B-S-T. And um, she wrote recently just to say that she had discovered the pod and she said she was hooked and um, she thought she was going to cry when we talked about banana peppers not going on our Subway sandwich, which was like an old episode. She yeah. Was, yeah. It was really neat. So she Cry good, cry bad. Because um, banana peppers don't belong anywhere. Well, that I think that was our fight. Right. Yeah. Because you're pro. I'm pro banana pepper. Which is crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel you. I'm... <laughs> so she um, wrote to say that uh, she enjoys the pod and she's just fun and cool. And I like uh, chatting with her on Insta. And she also won our Magical Butter uh, giveaway for Thanksgiving. That's right. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear. Does it say what her side of the banana pepper debate she falls on? Uh, she just wrote... I thought I was going to cry when you guys talked about banana peppers not going on your Subway sandwich. Oh, yeah. I love banana peppers. Jeez, of course it's your butt of the week. My enemy of the week. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. And our VIB this week is Trixie Mattel. Trixie Mattel. What a iconic mogul. Yeah. To sit down with Trixie and talk about uh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, not only her time on RuPaul's Drag Race, but also just like all the things she has coming up. She's got a book coming out. She's got a Netflix series. She's got a web series. She's going on tour. She's going on tour in February. Also, can I pull this up real quick? Because I think her movie that just came out, Moving Parts. Oh, yeah. It came out today, um, the day we're recording this. So you'll hear it the day after it came out. But I think her movie is number one on iTunes right now. Wow. Hold on one second. If you haven't seen the trailer for Moving Parts... It's a must watch. I mean, skip the trailer. Just get the fucking movie. I'm what am so I saying? I'm so excited to check it out. It's a behind the scenes look at her tour where she did, I think, 60 American cities. And it looks like they really like dive deep into behind the glam. Number one documentary on iTunes, moving wow. parts. Trixie, congratulations. Yeah. What a Very time. Cool. So cool. So cool. So without further ado, here's our interview with Trixie Mattel. Hi, everyone. As you know, Mike and I love to travel, and we love to check out new shops everywhere we go. Yeah. One of our favorite places to go is Vegas. What's up, Vegas? What up? Yo, life is beautiful. The Fremont experience. Any reason at all? Any, Seriously, any reason at all. Do you want to go right now? Yes, let's go. Let's well, go. while we're there, we should go to, to our favorite dispensary, Euphoria Wellness. They were the first dispensary to open in Las Vegas, and they have won multiple Best of Las Vegas awards. Right? You open first, and you do it the best? Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I loved how when we got to Euphoria, the staff was super welcoming. So nice. And then check-in was super quick. And then the best part, you have an experienced wellness guide with you so they can walk you through the entire process and help you select the best products for what you need. And they have a huge selection of flour, edibles, cartridges, and tons more. And their house brand of flour, which is called Suma. So good. It's amazing. Yeah, Suma. Um, Yo, Suma. honestly, you walk in there, you go through check-in, and then you have a wellness guide walk you through, and then you get Suma. Yeah. Stop. 
That's so, so good. Check them out the next time you're in Vegas. Their website is euphoriawellnessnv.com. That's euphoriawellnessnv, like for Nevada.com. Yeah, and use our special promo code GRUB and you'll get 10% off your next visit at the dispensary. Keep out of reach of children. For use only by adults 21 years of age and older. No other coupons or discounts apply. You did it like one of the. That sounded yeah, right? so good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Go to euphoria. Wellnessnv.com. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I've been trying to work on my hellos because me and Katya, I'm really bad at hellos and goodbyes because I just have one of those voices where it sounds like I'm being mean. So I've been trying to work on like a good like, hello. <laughs> hey, it was really nice seeing you. Uh, take care. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. If you need them for your reel, we'll lift those right out. (laughs) Goodbye. Would you do the cameo thing? I have gotten asked. I can tell that those, listen, cameo. I can tell that those people work on um, like a commission. Like if they sign an artist, if you get Bethany Frankel to do cameo, you as an agent of cameo probably get a slice of her profits because I get emails from cameo probably three times a week. Mm-hmm. And every time I say no, and then eventually I stopped responding because to me, I think it's too much access and too much like, yes, for this price, I will say whatever you want. I, to me, it is not worth it. And there are drag queens who charge $500 for them and there are drag queens who do them for $100. And I know drag queens who probably charge $125 and they probably do five or 10 a week and that's great money for them. But to me, it is just, it adds, it's too much access. You want to see me, you have to come see the real thing in real life and that's it. Do you guys do cameo? Ah, wouldn't that be so Five thousand dollars each. <laughs> I was like, anybody who does cameo is garbage. Do you guys do it? Yeah. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. you'll never do it. I thought about like, <laughs> no, like this I February I go back on tour, and I was thinking, well, I'm on tour. I'm in drag every day, and it's February. Why don't I do a power week where I do just like Valentine's for people? So for this week only, you can get Trixie cameos for Valentine's Day. Because some of those celebrities, and let's be honest, some of those celebrities I would die for. Like, I wish Elvira did them. That would be so because oh. that sort would be great like Halloween you know like it's Hell a good time of year yes. to do it yeah but yeah. I think she's kind of slowing down on the Elvira I think she's kind of quitting I mean she's been around since I was a kid it's amazing did you know she got that gig she was a groundlings person and she got that gig they were basically looking to replace the next Vampira like they were revamping Vampira mm-hmm. and she got the gig for it and she went in and auditioned and they had seen her at groundlings or whatever and they were like. They were like, um, at the last second, they were like, hey, we didn't get the rights to Vampyra, so we have to rename the character. The day they're filming. We have no to rename the way. character, and we need you need to change the character. And she was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And they're like, well, how about we call it Elvira? And why don't you do that um, Valley Girl thing we've seen you do at the comedy shows? You do like a Valley Girl character. She was like, that doesn't really fit, but I guess. And that's how it started. And she was 30 when she got that gig. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, started at 30. Same with uh, Debbie Harry. Start, they, they hit big in 79. She was 30. Really? Yeah. For like women in those industries to have their big break at 30 is pretty cool. Yeah. We talk about it a lot, like Hollywood and Hollywood's like, yo, you 12 yet? Then that's about y- it. You 12 yet? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But for comedy, you, you, there is that window of like, you got to be old or really young. Mm-hmm. But also I think for comedy too, you got to be either gorgeous or disgusting. <laughs> you need to be pornographically beautiful or like... Fucking gross, and your 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 angle needs to be how how gross you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Especially for well, that's part of why I do drag is because gay men, especially. Let's just say this: the gay male community is not famous for being supportive of one another. So, like, you need to either be so gorgeous that no matter what, people love you, or you need to be like disgusting. It was interesting on All Stars to see when everyone showed their ages, and it was a very wide age range yeah for all stars and it was really impressive because everybody like brought exactly who they are and how talented they are but the age range was crazy yeah there's people who've won who are 21 and there's people who tempest Jour when she competed i think was one year older than rupaul or she was the same age wow but i mean rupaul's on the cover of vanity fair this week and she's like 59 so that's the great thing about drag is you do get to cheat the system it's great for comedy because you get to play both sides of the field you get to be the underdog who's gross and you get to be those beautiful glamorous person in the room so mm-hmm. you get the benefits of both you don't have to have any actual physical like you don't have to be born with anything you have to make all of it yeah except talent 
Well, you got, that helps. Yeah. Even that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Optional. Oh, my God. I was at this thing recently. <laughs> Billboard had a bunch of us drag queens come down, and they wanted to talk. Oh, hang on a second. Hold for helicopter. We film my YouTube beauty stuff at my house, and there's constant... I have written Hollywood choppers, mm -hmm. road construction. You were going to say optional, though, because you were talent is optional. Oh, we were at a Billboard thing. Billboard had a bunch of the drag queens who make music, and they basically had like a summit asking, like, what do you guys hold you back? And what do you think holds drag queens back in the music industry? And Manila raises her hand and goes, well, most of us can't sing. So that's like the number one thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny to me. They give us this platform to give them serious feedback. And Manila's like, well, mostly we can't sing. Yeah, <laughs> that's our main problem. Um, so I was also on a reality show. What were you on? It was a Food Network show called Worst Cooks in America. You were? Yeah. Don't they do a celebrity version of they that? They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Alec Mappa was on it with Morgan Fairchild, right? Yeah, oh my God. exactly. Morgan Fairchild. Morgan fucking Fairchild. And she looked great. Ugh. Were you on Worst Cooks? Yeah, I was. Not with Morgan. That would have been it cool? unreal. It's a. It was a dream come true. Did you do a bad job? Uh, I got third. I was That's really fierce. But I was so fucking mad. I wanted to win, you know? So I went to culinary school afterwards because I was like, if I ever get you back did? there. Because it's kind of, I bet it, you felt the same way when you were eliminated the first time and you were like, if I ever get another shot, I'm going to just kill it. I yeah. want to kill it. Yeah. The most fun part to me was actually the interviews because they let you just like get as many one-liners in as you could think of. And it's like, you're kind of fighting for airtime because yeah. you want your quip or your joke or your like reaction to be the one that they fucking use and mm -hmm. i loved that healthy competition of it because i felt free i always say that drag race is one in those interviews that's where you win drag race those interviews okay mm -hmm. yeah, you become fan favorites yeah that's where you win that's where you decide whether or not you will have honestly it's a people care more about you than your drag a lot of time there's a lot mm -hmm. of busted drag queens that people love because they're funny or whatever well i'm saying something like uh you said uh, you can have butterflies. You just need to make them fly in formation. Isn't that gay? It's just <laughs> so amazing. Cringe. It's so you know what's perfect. I got that in a fortune cookie at a strip mall in Marinette, Wisconsin when I was like 14. <laughs> and I kept the fortune. I taped it on the back of my guitar and I used to have it taped on my guitars for like five years. I had a little fortune of it. So I never forgot that. But also, I'm not a very competitive. So drag race to me is very hard. A lot of people really thrive in that environment. Drag Race is very scary to me. Yeah. It's not my favorite experience. It's it's World of Wonder sometimes has been not so crazy because like the soundbite from my interview is like, I hated doing Drag Race. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's so difficult. And you're in drag 12 hours a day. The whole time I was on All Stars, my inner mantra was like, you never have to do this again. You never have to do this again. Because <laughs> you're in drag all day. That final day of Drag Race, oh my God, I remember we had to do like the day where you know you win or whatever. It's like 15 hours in drag. That's psycho. Yeah. Yeah, with that one shot. Taking uh, a shit with the corset on? No. It's yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? Not Congrats yet. Congrats to you both. Yeah, Not I yet. will. I like, almost passed out. <laughs> yeah, it's just like stuff like that where you're pushing the physical limits of your body and you're like, your only consolation is being like, I never have to do this again. This is the last. That's do true. you keep your books? I'm actually trying to get rid of them if you want any of these. Honestly, you might as well. I'm reading, uh, I read my books on my iPad because I don't always know if I'm going to feel in the mood to read, but then it's just on there, like on a plane or whatever. Mm -hmm. Versus like, um, I was I'm reading Stephen King's It right now, and uh. I got sick of reading on the iPad, so I was like, I'll pick up the real copy. That book is like a log. <laughs> I was like, I'm not picking this up. Put, this, put that in your backpack. It was like this big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I'm on like page 1100 of 1500, so I'm like, moving along anyway i'm not even like a reading person but i guess i'm trying to be good yeah. hey. <laughs> me and kati have a book coming out in may so i'm trying to like be a book person now <laughs> can you talk about the book a little bit yeah the book's called uh oh, i should have brought i had the blad mm -hmm. book layout and design oh by the way i love random house who we're making the book with but we were on this conference call and we were like what does blad stand for and the lady on the phone was like i don't know <laughs> it's just an industry term none of us and i was like kati we looked it up it's book layout and design but the book's called uh, Trixie and Katya's Guide to Modern Womanhood. And it's basically like a home economics textbook for young girls. But it's based on what you know drag queens would tell you is important to know. Ugh. So it's hair and makeup and, and boyfriends and breaking up and drinking and drugs. And I mean, there's like haikus about Katya wrote haikus about getting your period. It's psycho. It's awesome. It's psycho. I You know, we kind of like we, we passed the torch about like who was going to cover the content like i did drinking because i love drinking katja's never liked drinking mm. you know she's like a 
you know, a hardcore addict, but even when she was like using, she just hates drinking. Mm-hmm. But she did drugs, so she gave, you know, like a papyrus of like every drug, <laughs> every experience. And um, we also talked about things like decorating. I did interior decorating, hair, like everything from like, should you get bangs to like whatever. We've covered it all. I needed this so much because <laughs> I had to learn everything when I went to theater school, like after I left home. I Which is a great learn. place to learn hair yeah. and makeup, by the way. <laughs> totally. It was a great place, but like I didn't have that at home. I didn't, you know, I like my friend took me to get my first bra. I had to figure out shaving my legs and my period and everything all by myself. So I needed that book. Yeah, how did totally. You, but how did you like, how did you learn all of the things? Well, usually like if anybody's familiar with our YouTube series, usually we are, um, it's more like, we're like two walking cautionary tales. It's like, we're never telling you this is the right way to do it. And that's how we do it too. It's more like, Hey, this is the ways we've had it go wrong for us. So like do better, please. Um, so that's usually how we approach everything is like, mm-hmm. do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. But like the makeup chapter, I wrote that whole chapter because, you know, after working in Cosmet, I used to be behind a makeup counter for five years and now owning a makeup company. It was like, I know that women are supposed to know everything about makeup, but they're also not allowed to ask. It's like weirdly taboo, but everyone's supposed to know how to look like a movie star. And same with hair and same with anything. Women like are supposed to know everything and not allowed, not allowed to ask and a lot of what the book is, we sort of make fun of the expectations put on women. You know, because etiquette books like this for women, it's not many years ago that they were real. Yeah. And like not helpful information. Uh, some of the books I bought, because I went on eBay when we were working on the book, and I did a deep dive to all these like home ec books, women's etiquette books from like the 50s, 60s. And it's crazy. Did you see Fascinating Womanhood? Was that one of the ones you no. got? No. Oh. Yeah. Fascinating Womanhood. Fascinating Womanhood by Helen Anderlin. What is that? It was a book that I came across when I was like, I think I'm a feminist. I'm going to research a bunch of books that like are, you know, the enemy. <laughs> Fascinating Womanhood. And that was one of them. It was just, you know, that sort of like, here's how to be a good wife. Here's how to keep a good home. Yeah. All that kind of stuff with a lot of sort of, you know, super heavy duty Christian framework. Yeah. I also yeah. read a boys one. There was one that was like, you know, like, the one that a grandpa would give a grandson, like how to become like a clean cut, everything a young man should know. It's just like <laughs> stupid. Um, but reading the books was crazy. Like one of the things they suggested for young women was like, well, you can't move the furniture around yourself. So if you want to move around your bedroom, make a diorama of your room and move the paper furniture around. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> Who's making a paper diorama of their room just so you can see what their coffee table looks like to the left? <laughs> like that's crazy. But just something like that where it's like well women can't lift but just so make an arts and crafts project it's like that is so stupid yeah but then we talk about some cool things like we have a whole section on which heels are right for you um you which know, heel which like type of heel is right oh for i you. thought you meant like w-i-t-c-h like witch heels oh witch heels yeah witch heels <laughs> well one of the heels we covered was like a witch like there's like a witch boot like a not like a you know, like a like a '90s sexy S and M black witch boot. Yeah, yes. with the stripy sock. Yeah, it's good important look. to know. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of covered everything, and writing. It was the book was pitched to us as like you know it's a great way to work and not be in drag all the time, and I'm like you know what I do deserve a break. Uh, nobody tells you that this book needs a thousand pictures, and you're gonna have to get in drag to take them all. Oh my god, we <laughs> had to do like ten photo shoots for this book. Whoa! All brand new looks, brand new wigs, brand new costumes. Plus, like, you know, for example, the makeup section. There's a whole picture series of me putting makeup on. So that's like 20 pictures. Like, it was a huge process. Huge process. But it's my first book, and we're very excited. That's so exciting. And yesterday was another announcement. Oh, yeah. We did this show for Netflix called Queens Who Like to Watch. Oh, it's so good. I just watched The Crown. It's so funny. Episode. It's so fun. I've never seen The Crown. And I had the best time watching. Katya saw it. I didn't. And I told Netflix, I was like, I haven't, I don't watch a lot of TV at all. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I haven't seen that. And they were like, it's fine. But it's great because it's me and Katya, and we basically get to, because some of the other, I can't, I'm sure, I can't say what we're going to watch, but. Some of the other stuff we're watching is, let's just say, more Hallmark original movie. Okay. And so we're like, you guys, we we just have to tell you what we feel about this. So mm-hmm. like, we're not going to be good spokeswomen for how wonderful every aspect of this is. And they're like, we just want you to talk about it the way you would talk about it. And so we're like screaming, crying, laughing at it sometimes. And <laughs> Netflix was like, it's fine. It's what you're here for. Just react authentically. And 
I'm going to tell you, I went to that gig not really knowing what to expect. It was the most fun I've had in drag probably in five years. We were crying. This crown episode is so funny. Everybody go watch it. The next two, we were like crying laughing. That kind of laughing where you're like pushing each other. (laughs) Like, like, oh my God. And she's so great to work with. We just have like the perfect like give and take because we are in so many ways nothing alike. Mm-hmm. So we have completely different approaches to every joke or every like, you know, we're watching a movie and like when I think something's sweet, she thinks it's too much or like she loves something and I'm like, this is stupid. So we have very differing POVs. Well, I mean, it was also like a part of when you released your movie trailer, so many people were like, the falling out, the falling oh, yeah, out, the, the falling drama. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our movie Moving Parts comes out on December uh, 7th, December 7th. And, um, it chronicles a time in our life where Katya was, you know, like her, let's just say it was doing drugs again. And it was right when we had this big TV opportunity on Viceland. So it was sort of like this huge opportunity falling in your lap and then all the tools you need to put that together, just like falling apart. And it was, the movie's crazy. I, um, I hope people respond to it. It's had a great pre-order. It's the number three pre-order film on iTunes right now. Wow. Oh, shit. Yeah. The trailer is sort of heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very melancholy. I mean, I describe the movie as like the other 23 hours of the day when you're not in drag, where it's not all, you know, dick jokes and vodka. It's <laughs> but pretty dark. good dick jokes. But pretty good dick jokes, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on my next show right now called Grown Up, which starts touring in February. We're doing just like 30 American cities this year, um, but... I'm working on like some of the new jokes and I've been with my boyfriend for like three years now and he like doesn't like being, he doesn't like anything about him in the show, but I'm like, I haven't been single for three years or fucked anybody else for three years or really spent, so like, you're going to be in the show. Yeah. He gets so embarrassed when I have jokes about like our sex life because then like his family comes to the show and I'm like, well, does she think that we're gay so we can share clothes? Like, <laughs> obviously, I have this joke that's in Skinny Legend, which is my special that came out this year. Um, it's on iTunes. And there was this joke about um, how my boyfriend's, I was like, you know, I'm 30 years old now. Like, my boyfriend, he's hard before, during, and after sex. He's hard, like, the whole time, you know. And I had this joke about him being, like, somebody who can get hard in, like, a second and stay hard. And he was all embarrassed about it. I'm like, that's a joke about your dick being great. <laughs> it's not like I'm telling jokes that like like you're having a small or bad or anything dick like mm-hmm. so it's like don't be embarrassed yeah now everyone just knows I'm great at sex all the time though yeah what and, a fucking nightmare right <laughs> I remember well he was at a show of mine with his cousin his like heterosexual cousin and when I told that joke his cousin like looked at him and gave him like a thumbs up and I think he was really embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> But most of the time when I include him in a joke, it's a story about how like he's does the right thing in a relationship and I'm the garbage person. So I'm like, you're you're kind of usually in the story to be like the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like I'm like gunning for you. Powerful yeah. testimony. I also have to see you after the show. Yeah. <laughs> or he's like on a tour bus with me and I'm like, anyway, good night. <laughs> after like 90 minute monologue about how awful he is or something, you know? Can you talk a little bit about how you developed the ability to like hear any kind of thing that might be insulting or hurtful and still go forward with it was like, do you remember a time in your life where you're like, I'm just going to do it anyway? Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the time. I never apologized for anything ever, ever, ever. I remember there was this clip of me from a roast tour and I told this joke, Latrice Royale and I were on this roast tour together. You guys know Latrice Royale icon. I don't. Oh, I don't. Latrice Sorry. Royale. Latrice Royale. Hey, Latrice Royale is like this six, five 300 pound big deep skin like legendary drag queen right she's like so funny so great and it's a roast tour so like we're trying to like really like outdo each other every night like how far can we push it how awful can we be because nobody's supposed to be filming us either so it's like we are really going to be disgusting right every night so then i thought of this new joke on the road and i was um it was a joke about um it was like awful, but let's just say that it was a joke, making a joke about the material of a dress being cotton and with Latrice. Got okay. it. Uh-huh. And sure. it was like woven in a way where I checked with Latrice first. I was like, do you think this is funny or is it too far? And she was like, oh my God, it's so funny. You have to say it. And we loved it. We laughed. Ha ha ha. Like two days later, it was like this clip of me of only this 10 second snip of a 90 minute roast show. Only this 10 second snip is circulating. 
and everyone's demanding for me to apologize and stuff. And I'm like, context matters, boo. Mm-hmm. It's a roast tour with the drag queen that we talked about this joke beforehand and planned it to like, and I remember being like, I always am that person who's like, just say it. Let's just do it. What are they going to do? <laughs> I know. But that'll someday, I'm sure, like end my career. But to me, I'm just like, I am from the world of like, if we can't laugh at it, if men in wigs can't laugh at it in a group, what are we doing? Do you know where your comedy comes from? Because on camera, your takes, like your takes to the camera and all of that. It's Jim from The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's so like... It's so tuned in. And I was like, holy cow, that is somebody who like loves comedy and loves being funny. I don't know. My first um, comedy albums I stole from LimeWire when I was like probably 12 or 13. Because oh, I lived deep in the country. So like I'd use my dial up mm-hmm. to download an album overnight, like a comedy album. That's amazing. Yeah. So I had like Ellen here and now, <clears throat> which was like one of my faves. Is that the one with the God phone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ellen Taste This. That one is really funny. That one, any old Ellen, you listen to it and you're like, how is this still so funny? And no swearing and like no filth. It's just like so funny. She gets a bad rep now. Why? Because she is apparently a absolute hellacious person to work for. I've heard that too, but like. But her comedy is. Oh my God. Unimpeachable. It's incredible. Oh my God. Yeah, and who else gets taken to task for just being like tough on their employees? She's also a woman. Do that to anyone else. If she was a man, probably people would not say anything. Hell no. They say she was like a go-getter? Yeah. Totally. He's really just, you know, aggressive and wants it to go well. Yeah, she's like a fucking take-no-nonsense, you know, fucking boss who runs an empire, so. Yeah. I'm sure Oprah's the same way. Yeah, although you don't but hear Oprah it about Oprah gives people her. more presence. Well, she just mm, has, has people, people killed probably too. <laughs> I met Oprah at a, yeah. I, I got invited to a diversity in Hollywood luncheon and it was celebrating Oprah and it was, she was getting awarded something and I'm sitting there in drag with like, by the way, I love you, uh, Billboard and Hollywood Reporter, or no, it was Hollywood Reporter. It was a diversity luncheon, but the tables were separated by uh, like ethnicity, sexuality, like, so it's diversity luncheon, but I sit down next to the cast of Queer Eye Imposed and I'm like, okay. It was a segregated diversity <laughs> it's luncheon? It's a segregated diversity luncheon, but I was totally fine with it because I was like, oh, this is fine. Um, I'm sitting next to that, did you guys see that Netflix movie, The Perfection? Mm-mm. Oh, oh um, no, but it, she like makes people do terrible things, right? Or something like that. It's the one where it's it's, it's about musicians, but um, it, there's some like some lesbian tones in it. So she's at our table too, and it was just like an overall very gay table. And I'm like, this is a diversity luncheon that is like, you know, also segregated. And it was also by like like financial class because at the front table it was like Oprah, Alicia Keys, you know, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I was walked. like a stone's throw from Caitlyn Jenner. I was like, I know my area. I know my place. Thank you. Wow. But it was still cool because it was Oprah. Yeah. I was like, whoa, that's Oprah. Did you make eye, can- eye contact with her? I did. She walked by and she said hi and just waved at me. She was like, yeah. She did the drag queen like when someone's in a wig, like point at them. Yes. I mean, she was in a wig too. We're all in wigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, it was, I met Oprah. What was I saying before that? Well, Ellen was your first comedy. Oh, yeah. I just think, I mean... Any of those hold up. And then early Kathy Griffin Bravo specials. Just because, you know, before I really knew about stand-up, that was like what I knew about. Um, I don't know if this is cringe. I also used to have, I was in high school, I had the Dane Cook albums. But if you were a high schooler, I'm 29, I'm 30 years old, that was like the height of comedy in like 2004. Yeah. Did you have that album? Uh, I did. Because I loved his Comedy Central stand-up presents where he pretended to be a velociraptor and threw water on himself. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. How could you not? But I didn't start doing stand-up until after, like, you know, I was like 25. Because in in college I was doing musical theater, which is like musical comedy. But I didn't start doing stand-up until later. How did you start? What was your first show? I just wanted to do it. And I had um, Provincetown, Massachusetts. I got this cabaret gig doing an hour-long set every night. And they really were like, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, well, I really want to develop stand-up and see if I can figure out how to do it. Because I didn't have any stand-up friends. I'm just like a drag queen. But in drag world, we're so used to having to grab a microphone and make a show. That is stand-up every night. It's improv every night. So they don't call it that. Just because there's not like, you know, straight people and drink minimums doesn't mean it's not stand-up. You know? <laughs> just 
you know, at gay shows, we don't need drink minimums. People are like, oh, we're drinking. <laughs> you don't need to impose a minimum. Yeah. Just bring two at once. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Yeah. But it was an hour long program. So it was very like baptism by fire. Cause I had to perform for like, you know, 30 to hundred people a night, like every night, try to figure out my material and my set. And by the end of the summer, I had done 55 shows in three months. And it was like, oh, I, for better or for worse, I do have a good hour now because I've had to figure it out. What people might not realize is the amount of energy it takes to do stand-up and just talk for an hour and like have that kind of variety and keep everybody like engaged. Yeah. Were you exhausted after no, I that? Loved you it. loved it. I loved it. Really? And then I started adding... In my first stand-up show, I had one guitar song in it. Just like one. And it was like kind of a downer song. So I set up the show to have all these jokes and then it was a breakup section and then I had like, you know, a surprisingly serious breakup song. And people didn't really know I played guitar by then. So then I, people every night were like, that was the best part of the show. And I was like, really the best part of the stand-up show was the sad song. Great. <laughs> but it taught me, like, I don't know why it never occurred to me. Like, I've always loved Sarah Silverman. I've always loved, like, early Adam Sandler. I don't know why it ever didn't occur to me to put guitar in with my comedy. And that was like, duh, light bulb. Because being able to play music and tell jokes at the same time, that makes the show really move. Because mm -hmm. you can play under yourself while you tell jokes. Yeah. You can stop and do funny song. And then I also like people will just, people are drinking, people yell songs. And I'm one of those people I can play anything. So we'll just, whatever. I was in Vancouver two nights ago and someone yelled, there's always someone yelling Wonderwall. Great. Let's do Wonderwall. Perfect. That's five minutes of my show gone. Great. <laughs> Next, anything. And then I was just in Canada. So we did like, we did like Avril Lavigne. We did some Celine Dion. We did Gordon Lightfoot. We did Alanis. We, you know. Hell yes. Go through the classics. Alanis, which Alanis? We did Hand in My Pocket, mm -hmm. which I think is the national anthem. Pretty, I'm Canadian, yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when everyone it's rises at a sporting event, they sing Hand in My yeah. Pocket? Yeah. And then I did, um, I did uh, My Heart Will Go On on the clarinet, which oh. people like nut for that in any iteration. People nut for drunk I'm people. Nutting. Holy shit. Near, far. It's over. People screaming. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. And then the great thing about music, too, is you can really push the stupidity of it. Mm -hmm. Auto harp is so stupid. You know, I, there's just one girl I know, and I saw an act. She was playing her auto harp singing, like, feel what make you love. And it's like, that on an auto harp is so dumb. <laughs> people love it. It's great. And it's great because for drag, no other drag queens really play guitar, so it's a great way to sort of, like, differentiate. Yeah, and you can control the room with your music. You really can. It really is a game changer. And I think it's harder if you're not in drag. To be honest, when you're a drag queen, the audience is already rooting for you. If I had to go out there in just like normal clothes and just like win them over, I think that is so much harder. Also, I find that for a lot of places, the stuff I remember most when I see performers are the off-the-cuff improvised moments that yeah. felt like special to that night. Something local, you mean? Yes, I was just in Halifax. Oh. Well, this this is like last year. But My neck of the woods. I got picked up at the airport oh. by a woman with no shoes on. <laughs> And I said, where are your shoes? And she said, I don't have none. Oh. And I said, why don't you have any? She said, don't need none. At the airport. She's barefoot in the airport. And Nova Scotia is fucking cold. Yes, it was November. It's cold. Yeah. And I remember being like, well, that's going in my set forever every time <laughs> I come to Canada. Because uh, Canada is so big and so spread out that it's really like you're going to a different country every time you go somewhere. And so, like, I just went and did a Newfoundland tour. That's and where I'm from. You did? Yes. I was in Moncton and, is it St. Tom, St. John's? St. John's. Yeah. Yeah. And that that shit is crazy. It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, it is wild. But the universe, people just, when you're on tour, people, the world presents you with psycho information. You're like, oh, that's a joke now. Mm -hmm. How was the crowd in her hometown? Oh, yeah. Great. They drunk. Drunk. But I love to perform at, let's say, smaller cities because they don't get everything. So they nut when you come. Mm -hmm. One of my biggest shows ever was in uh, Portland, Maine on a Tuesday. 1,500 people came on a Tuesday, and there's only 66,000 people who live in Portland, Maine. So it's like 1 60th of the city was there that night wow. because nothing ever goes there. Yeah. At the meet and greet, they're all like, oh my God, no one ever comes here. I'm so happy you came. Go to like Fargo, go to like, you know, anywhere, anywhere but Florida, really. Just <laughs> go anywhere but Florida. We were Girl, just, what is with Florida? Yeah, we just went to Tampa. Girl, for what? For comedy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were flown there for some comedy stuff. It yeah. is crazy. Florida is crazy. Yeah, And swampy. anybody who leaves Florida takes their crazy with them. Yeah. We had a great time because we were with really great people filming all day. Um, they picked us up in a, a limo, a Magical Butter Hummer limo, 
and we posted it and what everyone said was like that's Florida. And I was like, this is the coolest limo I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> it's crazy. We, I think every drag queen has stories of Florida. It's like really drunk people, really crazy. And then it's also so hot. And you're in drag and it's like 90 at night and humid. And you're like, what is happening? Mm. Yeah. Everything must just like kind of slide. Yeah. Because I used to do primarily clubs. My act was primarily like lip sync with stand up mixed in. And it's like, that is, is so hot. I remember just being... When I think of that part of my life, like that three-year period of mostly doing clubs, I just think of being hot. <laughs> like I think of sweat. I think of like your eyes burning because there's sweat in your eyes, lashes coming off on stage because they're... Oh, you're like falling apart. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to ask you about this documentary, Moving Parts. Uh, because as your star has risen, I feel like you've probably had to put up some boundaries in life quickly whether you knew you did or not but now you were like but i also want to make a documentary about my life to let everybody in on my own terms yeah yeah is it nerve-wracking like that's well when you think of i will say when i thought of a documentary i'm a drag queen so in my mind it's going to be like the justin bieber experience and it's just gonna be a music video about how great i am great and the filmmakers were obviously serious filmmakers who filmed it in a style i think it's called verite where it's more like true to life true to the moment so people, everybody who's seen it has been like um, a little shook that it's just a little less than, it's not just all fun. Yeah. It doesn't always show me as the best person. It doesn't always show me as like the most grateful or the most like sober or like, you know, it's a lot of moments where I watch it. And I'm like, this is not something I like to relive. Like there's that whole segment, part of it's in the trailer where we're on set for the Trixie and Katya show and we have a walkout and it's just me and drag being like, what are we going to do? That's the moments in life where you, you the, the time you don't want a camera on you, it's like all you can feel is like heat on your face from a camera in like a vulnerable moment. And mm -hmm. you're like, I would rather like disappear at this moment. But also I respect the filmmakers enough. I never ask them to turn the cameras off. I never, I mean, there's probably enough footage of me naked to make a whole nother movie. <laughs> different kind. Yes, different <laughs> kind of movie. But I think it, what I like about the movie, it does show the other 23 hours of how much drag queens really do. Like it's me... I think we pretend to be these big celebrities, but like, here's footage of me writing all the jokes and writing all the music and playing the instruments in the album and then going to the airport and carrying my own bags to the airport. You know, like, we're not as cool and glamorous as we look, and I think the documentaries shows that. Because just Drag Race itself is just gorgeous to look at as just like a template of a show. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? It's, it's fucking sexy, top to bottom. But, but, there's like an accessible humanizing of just like, oh, also we are human beings. And that kind of is what I'm hearing you describe. Yeah, I think something Drag Race has always done well is um, it's humanized drag queens. It's the first thing, it's the first show of its kind to make cross-dressers look like people. Because really what we've always gotten paid to do is be the birthday clown, mm. which is fine. We're dressed like birthday clowns, but a show like that... Think of how many people we were their first drag queens because of that show and it forever really changed their perception of like these are real people who are their their bodies are their painting and their performances their art and they would have never thought of it that way because i think if you're from somewhere rural or something you think that cross-dressing is always about sex or mental illness or but it's, it's it's really not i mean if anything I think Drag Race also makes you question why, what we view as women's clothing and why. Why is this men's clothing? I mean, it's so tacky, but RuPaul says we're all born naked. Think about it. We only are what we're dressed as. You know, we just dress up as what we think we are. We all fake it till we make it. It's like Barbies. Something I've always liked about Barbies is it's all the same plastic. It's all the same mold. It's the same head. It's just is what it's dressed as. This is construction worker Barbie. This is scientist Barbie. Like, it's the same thing. It's just clothes that says what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think drag is sort of like, fashion and beauty is so serious and drag is like just making fun of the fact that like, no, you're not. And like, you aren't what you look like, but you can dress up anyway. We like it, but you're not that. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. You're not that special. Deep truth. Yo, I mean. That was smart. Yeah, that was really smart. Was I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of mind blowing really. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? What can I, what can I change that will just make me feel you know like i'm expressing a part of myself that i don't feel comfortable with normally well yeah it's also in, well on one hand it makes fun of it on the other hand it's empowering it's like yeah. you are what you're dressed as which means you can do anything mm -hmm. 
Because you're just projecting to the world that this is what I am and everyone believes it. Yeah. yeah. It's really about confidence. I mean, I don't think I could even walk in heels unless I looked like Trixie. But once you look like it, it's like in school. Have you ever been in theater where you have to play an old character? Yeah. Once you look old, it is so easy to play old. Mm-hmm. But when you're like just in rehearsals, you're like, I don't feel old. I'm, I'm, a t- I'm 20 in college playing an old person. But then once you're in like gray hair and everything, you believe it. And I think the same thing for drag. It's like you are the most important, beautiful, glamorous person in the room because you believe it. The costume and all that's secondary. But when you enter the room and everyone just like, you, you convince them because you're convinced. Alyssa Edwards says this. This is my favorite. She says, before you sell it, you got to buy it yourself. Isn't that fierce? That's Ooh. fucking awesome. Ooh, yeah. that is like anything in life. Anything. You can yeah. sell it as long as you have personally bought it. If you believe it. Yeah. Wow. Two smart things. I know. And this is another <laughs> smart thing too. I'll leave you with this. When I used to work in makeup, they used to say, we don't work in the beauty industry. We work in the self-esteem industry. Because it's like the, it's the reason why Queer Eye is so big. The empirical truth is you can change the outside. You can change the inside by changing the outside. It's like, hello. Do you guys like makeovers? I'm I'm rocking silver hair. and like, It looks I need... awesome. Thank I'm sure you. you're sick of hearing it. Otherwise, I would have said something. No, thank you so much. I'm. It's a really, it's a, it feels like a, a struggle every day. And I want to rock it with confidence. But I, I question it every day. So I just love hearing you say... What you you did some darker chunks in the front. Yeah, I have one one color block here that's dark, and the rest is my silver. And I'm yeah, it's oh, it's definitely it like great. I want to fly it like a flag, but yeah, occasionally I'll. It's so long and healthy and shiny. I mean, thank you. It looks awesome. I didn't thank say anything because I figured you were sick of hearing it. No, thank you very much. Do you have to send a headshot without a beard? No, well, I don't have headshots without a beard for that very reason. That's wild. Yeah. You just posted a picture of yourself without a beard on Instagram. Yeah. That people freaked out. Yeah, they were. I've like, been shaving for drag since I was. 18, so I've never even gotten the opportunity to grow anything. Would you like to? Yes! Are you, God, are you kidding? Yeah. Just because it's In easy. In gay world, that is like a, like a, like a, like a railroad track to boner town. People love that. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, well, I have a shaved head. Shaved head and beard is such a good look. Yeah. But I just, I, I gotta do drag all the time. Yeah. Most of the uh, DM requests I have are from bald men with uh, beards. Really? Yeah. What do they want? Uh, to see my dick. Oh, they think you're gay? Uh-huh. <laughs> gay people are so rotten. <laughs> Doesn't that make you think that's how women feel all the time? That's why like Bumbler exists because people can't be trusted. Yeah. Women can't do nothing. Women can't have social media without just like just actual just dick pic. Yeah. Same thing for drag queens. My like drag queen, you know on Facebook you have that other folder yeah. messages from people you don't know. Entirely, entirely foreign men sending me dick pics. Wow. Yeah. Because unlike so many cultures, cross-dressers are like the ultimate taboo. Mm. So they all want like cross-dresser sexual experiences. So they just uh, just picture after picture after picture of like people want to send marriage contracts. Whoa. <laughs> yes. What the Crazy. Fuck? Crazy. Wow. And I've never had a sexual experience in drag and I never would. So, But so many drag queens have that I'm sure they're fine with it. Hmm. Most drag queens have a hooker experience, not me. I, I know we have to end. There's so much more. Um... There's so much more. <laughs> now that we talked about hookers. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> dropping knowledge, talking about hookers. Yeah. Gray. Uh, we got a lot of good plugs out of the way. We this can cut really this part flew. out. Yeah. yeah. This has been great. Yeah. And if you're looking for some great gifts, uh, we have some brand new cosmetics coming out for holiday. We Ooh. have a blush palette and three new glitters come out on Black Friday. Yes. Amazing. So can we just go through all of the plugs and dates one more time? Sure. Come visit me at Trixie Cosmetics and pick up some makeup for you or a friend. My movie, uh, Trixie Mattel Moving Parts, comes out December 7th. Oh my God, there's so much. I go back on tour in the States in February for my tour, Grown Up. Please come see it. Book. Your book. Oh, and my book is on pre-order now. It comes out in May. It's so funny, you guys. Katya's chapters are psycho. <laughs> she is a crazy person. And this book even like blew my mind of how crazy she is. So please get this book. What's it like to be a mogul? Well, you plant a lot of seeds. I'm just if somebody. I'm I'm the weed farmer who plants a lot of seeds because I need to have something. Mm-hmm. So when the book doesn't sell, I can like cling to my blush palette or something, you know. <laughs> or your Netflix special. Yeah, or the Netflix show, show, which is so funny. Please go watch it. And it kind of made me want to watch The Crown, but to be honest, the clips I saw, it looks very dull. A lot of like, it looks like a lot of quiet, long shots. Very pensive, very thoughtful. Yeah. It reminded me of The Queen. Remember that movie with Helen Mirren? Yeah. It just reminded me of that. Yeah. 
But people say that, what's her name? Olivia Coleman. Yes. People say she's like a powerhouse. So she's, like, Have you seen Fleabag? No. Yeah, she's great in Fleabag. So watch that. Yeah. Oh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. If you would like to follow us, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram. You can go to weedandgrub.com to see all about our South by Southwest dates coming up. And uh, leave us a five-star review. And Mary Jane? Thanks for tuning in. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.